you are watching and listening to a special edition of Open Bar. And I'm Mike Morales here in Southern California. That's just Hi, this, uh, I'm Kiki Dickman with uh, Van Ano Tequila in Houston, Texas. That's right, folks. This this gentleman, along with a, a few other partners, are the brainchild. They're they're the, the brains behind this brand. Look at look at. By the way, nice bag. <laughs> I think I made a I made a comment during the review. I said, wouldn't this be great to make a hoodie out of this? <laughs> I mean, the material it's is crazy, beautiful, right? And you gotta you gotta bear with me because I I fought with it. it. It keeps the bottle really really snug. But as you can see, I've enjoyed a little bit of the uh, reposado. This is the the reposado version. Um, you folks have a full line now, right? We started with the the blanco the reposado. Now this reposado. So we, you know, if if you wanna if you wanna count añejo by itself as a as a skew, we don't have that. Ironically, we actually started straight with the nation añejo. So that's right. That's uh, right. You know, we, we, we took a road probably less traveled uh, than other uh, firms, and we came out with a Blanco and, a, at the time, five-year-aged extra Añejo. You know, I, I was, when I when I first found you folks on, on Instagram, because that's that's basically now, that's the platform where we're finding a lot of new brands. They're, they're going in that direction, whatever platform happens to be popular. And I found it, and I thought, wow, that is that is some cool graphics and logos. And then... The more I saw of of yourself and your your partners, the more I was intrigued. And then, I, so I had to reach out, and I have I have been totally blown away by the quality of the of the juice. We know the distillery. Um, I'm familiar with it. Uh, I'm familiar with the master distiller who who actually operates uh, at that distillery. But what I want to know is, let me ask you this: What's what? I always love asking the question is, where is your background? Do you come from the liquor industry? Do you come from the money industry? You know, do, are you a writer, a professor? What, what do why, you are, why are we crazy enough to be in the tequila business? Exactly. There you go. Okay. Uh, so, so look, I'll, uh, I'll parlay that into, if you want to, kind of to build up stories of this. But sure. um, the main Please. partners for this business is, uh, so I, I'm not even Mexican. <laughs> so I was born and raised in Turkey. Um the, uh, I did marry a wife that has Latin roots from Guadalajara. Um, wow. Her name is Carmen. And, uh, and my core business is energy. Um, we're, in, uh, we're an energy management business nationwide. We manage the uh, large um, industrial and huge Fortune 500 companies, power, gas, propane, so forth, spend, and hedging. Wow. Um, now, my business partner is on the other side of it. Well, we're, we're doing the physical side. He actually is also in energy business. He's upstairs from me. We're in the same exact building. He is he's Mexican descent from El Paso, Texas. And uh, he does the financial side of the energy business. And uh, collectively, we have offices. I have offices in Louisville and New York. He has offices anywhere in several places in the U.S., including three international offices in Zurich, London, and Singapore. So um, we have a logistics company that's completely unrelated to this. And uh, but aside from being business partners, aside uh, we're also best friends and we are neighbors. So we <laughs> we, we we like entertaining um, okay. in our own homes, and we've been uh, we've always been drawn to tequila. We like drinking tequila, and uh, you know to kind of give props to some other tequilas. The two favorite tequilas for both of us has been through the years: Reserva de la Familia and. Uh, Patron Bordeaux. So 
Um, those are the tastes that tastes that we were kind of drawn to. We do a lot of entertainment in our own homes. Um, you know, my my uh, business partner's wife is actually a um, well-renowned nationwide um, interior designer. She actually designed my house, and I put a two-story bar in there. It was just written up in Wall Street Journal, and I have a whole section that that has about a hundred different tequilas. And one day, so this is how the story started. One day, we were sitting and said. You know, it would it would be so amazing if I could have a barrel. We both said it for our own particular bars. If we had a barrel of tequila with our own name on it, and if you put a tap, and everybody could just kind of um, get their own tequila, with, but our own taste, our own brand. So we started looking into that. In the meantime, my brother-in-law, um, who has roots to Guadalajara, always had the passion for tequila, and he was doing all of the tastings, and he kind of came and pitched to us, listen, guys, do you want to get into the tequila business? Like, I kind of want to get in, but I don't necessarily have the finances. So that's how the story was initially starting. So we said, no, we don't want to be in the tequila business. We just want a barrel. Then we realized that there is no distillery in Mexico that's going to produce a barrel for Kiki and Javier. Like, uh, they're not going to be allowed for that. I beg to differ. I mean, there there is but, one, but, but I... Well, I'll... we couldn't find it. And okay. then when, right. once we started talking to people, they said, even if we did find it, bringing a barrel over here is so problematic because it goes into a hazmat material, individual. So whoever we were talking to, probably not the right people. So right. anyway, in the end, we said, okay, you know what? We may be interested in it. And we took a trip down to Mexico, where our distillery is, San Ignacio Cerro Gordo, uh, which is close to another tequila that I personally like, which is Siete Leguas. Yes. So, we went, we went down there and and look, for, for anybody that has ever toured a distillery in Mexico, and I have done plenty of them, um, it's kind of like, I'll give you the example, I'm a, as I said, I was born and raised in Turkey. If you ever go to Turkey, even if you don't want to buy a carpet, you'll end up buying one. Yeah, all right. Presentation, right? They, you go into this carpet store and all of a sudden they're treating you really nice. They use some hot tea. They give you a chair. They start rolling <laughs> out the carpets and start telling you stories. And and next thing you know, you end up buying the carpet. So I kind of the carpet salesman got tequila sales dot basically over there. <laughs> <laughs> so you know the uh, we started tasting it. We started touring the distillery. We were we were amazed with the process. We were we were equally amazed with the fact that it's. Um, single estate agave i mean they're taking their own product and they're bringing it in um so there was tons of authenticity to it um they had a great master distiller he walked us through the entire process and he said what do you guys want to do he said well until we came here we just wanted a barrel but now <laughs> we kind of went tequila and uh and as we're sitting there um they're like well what would you guys name it and we said well in mexico if you do a shot of tequila, which is really rare, as you know, I mean, this, that's a sipping liquor over there. Yes, yes. The immediate response is puro veneno. <laughs> so then I started thinking, any country you go in the world, there is actually a direct translation to the phrase, what's your poison? Oh, yeah. So yeah. I said, well, we want to name it veneno. And he said immediately, he goes, I don't think you're going to get um, that approved which later on became a huge battle for us. So Veneno name is actually not approved in uh, Mexico. So in Mexico, we're registered as Gran Veneno. Gran Veneno, really? So, um, 
so we came up with that and then, uh, and you know, we were really amazed with the taste and we actually followed it. Talking about Sierra Leguas, we followed the evening or the day um, after, as if we didn't have enough tequila at the distillery. <laughs> after we signed the contracts, we went to Sierra Leguas, they have a nice hacienda there and listened to mariachis for about three hours and celebrated our new venture. Yes. But then the real work begins, right? So you have to, uh, now we realize that coming up with a taste is incredibly difficult, but going to market is a lot harder. So um, then the real work began. So my, my business partner and I are both members of an organization called YPO, Young Presidents Organization. It's got about 30,000 members nationwide. You have to be a certain size company and you have to be the CEO of the company. So, uh, and you have to get an invitation. So that gives us an incredible network of friends that immediately got excited about the project as well. But we were very open with our friends. We basically said there are, you know, you look at the tequilas in the market, like the guys that started Sincora are really good friends of ours. We actually talked oh. to them, um, you know, the owners of the Boston Celtics and so forth. We were, we were kind of, you know, going on this journey at the same time, just at different monetary backing levels, if you will, yes. right? Um, you know, Los Lobos tequila comes out and you got LeBron James behind it. And it's really easy to market those things because all of a sudden the republics and glaciers of the world are, they're ordering 300,000 cases just because there's a celebrity behind it. Or 600,000 as the case may be, right? Yeah. So, you know, Terramana comes into the market with $110 million behind it. We basically told our friends, we said, listen, we want to go the route of Tito's Vodka, which is a multi-billion dollar company, 22 years in the making. Yes. 18, eight, 17, 18 initial years was literally knocking on doors in Austin and trying to get this product into the bars. And now I go to Osaka, Japan, and they have they have Tito's vodka, and it's mind blowing to me. So uh, we said we want to we want to own our market. We want we want it to be Houston. We want it to be a Texas owned brand, and we want to see what we can accomplish. So we tapped into our friends, and a lot of them got excited, and that includes the. Current Rockets general manager, the former president of the um, Houston Texans, and uh, yeah. we, even, we even have two, three billionaires actually in our inside our pool um, that we raised a really little amount of money from them. Um, so that, that that's kind of, that's kind of the beginning of the journey. I mean, I can go on how we launched the product and everything, but I. You know, I can hear myself talk, but I'd rather have you ask me a question. No, no, I, I'm fascinated because, you know, this is the story that, that people don't get. You know, they see this on the shelf. This is what they oh. see. You know, but they don't know, Benino. well, you know, uh, maybe the name doesn't doesn't match up with, with the product, you know. But now that I get the backstory, it makes more sense. It was fun. It was a. It was just a, a fun. It was, thing. it was a fun project, absolutely. If you folks don't follow Veneno Tequila, look them up on Instagram. They have beautiful pictures. I mean, you guys are doing the, you know, the 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 your your models are dressed in white, and it's all very much a lifestyle look. Um, you folks are based in Houston, um, so you know that's that's a lot of uh, a lot of prosperity in Houston these days, and always oh, has been. Um, I, I did notice that there was one or two uh, the people that that were involved or that are involved in the brand. One, uh, um, uh, I guess I thought he was a mi minority owner of the Tex uh, Houston Texans. I thought, yes. uh, you know, there was a. It was interesting to see for me to see where this is coming from. And I I know we have an article on tequilaaficionado.com uh, on the website. It was written by a good friend of mine who was uh, who is who had been in the tequila business for a long time. 
And he wrote this article that someone told me later on, another brand owner said it became a, a kind of a closet industry uh, classic. And what he did was is basically he, he backtracked the numbers of what it takes to literally launch a brand properly, okay? Because in the 22 years that we've done tastings and I've met people and, and interviewed people, um, I've seen brands come and go. I've seen guys, you know, knocking on doors, you know, the Tito's route. Uh, I've seen I've seen beautiful brands, you know, falter and it, it just well, for whatever reason, you know, it's very rare you get a perfect storm. You get great juice, a great name, great marketing, and maybe the owners don't get along. You know, whatever it is. No, they're, they're just like in every other business. It's, it's, it's yeah, exactly. It is. But but you know, in the liquor business, it it tends to be. It's I know people say that they that it's all the same, but really isn't. I, I don't force. I don't see, and I don't feel that it is. I think the liquor business is really its own strange animal, and it's and in particular tequila. So the article states that to launch a brand, you need $10 million. That's just to launch it properly with, you know, and, and so it only makes sense when you see guys like The Rock or, you know, they got to have a board of directors and these are all their investors. These are people who have skin in the game because it's, it's a risk. I mean, did you it's guys, yeah, did you guys, I mean, I'd imagine now at, at least you're, you had a, a, a decent cushion to, to propel this, but what, where do you see it going in the next two or three years? I mean, are you just strictly in Texas right now? Yeah, so so let me, we are. Uh, well, slightly, and I'll, I'll, I'll touch on that. So let, let me tell you a couple of different things. When, when we were first launching this, I took a trip down to Puerto Rico and uh, met with the president of Bacardi. Ah. Verbatim, what I was told is not to get into the liquor industry. And right. verbatim, what I was told, nobody makes money until they sell to the big boys like the Diageos of the world and so forth, just because right. of the customer acquisition costs and the constant marketing costs. I mean, it's a marketing battle. And the amount of brands, you probably know this number better than me, but I know for a fact that there's over 600 brands available in different liquor stores in tequila alone right now. So yeah. um, you go into a national, unbelievably successful chain like, I mean, these are things that we have to learn along the way like Total Wine, we're blessed that they've been a good partner for us. You go in there, well, I can't change that our name starts with the letter V. And they won't change their um, the, how they rack all of their stores, and it's in alphabetical order. So we end up on the bottom rack of the right corner. Wow. So how do you battle against that? But then, you know, a, a tequila-like, and uh, and it's a good tequila, don't get me wrong, I'm a huge rock fan, but Terramana comes, and they drop a lot of coin, and they get a huge display at the entrance. It doesn't matter that they're next to our tequila, but people are drawn to it just because we've, we've become really celebrity-following cultures, right? Um, and and you're right, the, uh, the story needs to matter, and the juice needs to matter, but in order for the juice to matter, which we think is is phenomenal, but it's it's a subjective line. For us, this is the taste that we wanted, and this is the taste that we came up with. Our third partner, you're right, the, the minority owner of the Texas is my second partner, Javier Loya. Uh, and our third partner, my brother-in-law, Paul, is actually becoming a master distiller right now in Mexico. So oh, nice. um, he's the one that's kind of helped us with all of this. But you're right, launching this product, first of all, to, to go to that, you mentioned the bag. So the product that you have, so the product that you have, the bottle, uh, you know this, but probably most of the people that actually listen, 
don't know. The people that actually manufacture bottles, they don't manufacture the caps. No. We found that out right after we got into the business, right? <laughs> so the people that actually manufacture the bottle caps, they don't do the engraving on the bottle cap. No. The people that actually do the engraving on the bottle cap, they don't do the engraving on the actual bottle. As you know, it's not a sticker, it's, a, it's yeah, an it's, engraving in there, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and the, the same people that actually do that, none of them actually do the bag. The people that do the bag, they don't do the wooden box on our extra Añejo. That's so, right. to source all of these things and to kind of go with the, and we, we haven't done a good job in terms of advertising this piece of it, but try to make it a piece of the um, small businesses in the Mexican economy to source it from sustainable sources and actually get it to the marketplace. It's, it's very challenging. And, the, uh, and also the logistical battles that have actually happened in our space. The bottles are actually coming from France. Everybody's backed up. The yes. one positive that we've actually had, don't ask me why, but we went long on our juice. So we have more juice than a lot of the companies that are out there. When the major boys are running out of extra añejo, we have a ton of it. So, that's been a huge advantage for us. And we recently just released, as you know, we came out with the five-year extra on Yeho. I think you tasted that. Then we came out with our seven-year extra on Yeho. We just released our 10-year one. Wow. It is absolutely, I'm telling you, in, in terms of the uh, bottle design that you like that one, I can, I can, I'm going to try to share it with you on this camera, at least, um, from my phone. That probably is the best that I can um, of our lineup. I, I'm, I'm gonna while you're looking for that picture, I'm gonna I'm gonna confess something. Um, I I am a real big fan of this distillery. When I found out that there was substance behind the the flash, you know, I mean, it's it, it's very flashy and elegant and luxurious, and it's a lifestyle, you know. And we see a lot of that. A lot of a lot of a lot of brands are geared toward that. You know, flying on a flying on a private jet or you know, sitting on a yacht, yeah. you know what I mean, with the girls and the, the lifestyle, <laughs> you know, and the jewelry and the watches and all that stuff. And and so every once in a while you get bored watching the same thing, you know. But when I when I when this bottle showed up and I found out what distillery it is and who else comes out of that distillery and that it's a, a co-op of farmers. In fact I should probably just go ahead and give that number in case anybody's watching what gnome is it? 1443. 1443. <laughs> oh, there you go. 1443. It does have um the master distiller is Alejandro Campos Medina and uh, single estate Reposado, this one here that I have. By the this, way, Alejandro Campos has to, that's part of our deal. Um, you know, not only that, he has to go through the entire line to make sure that it's perfect at every single time. Because as you know, um, I don't, I mean, you know, to our nose, it will always look the same, but the same brand does not always taste the same. No, the the batches is because they're single estate. Sometimes the batches will uh, will change slightly, and, so. and, and that's the beauty of it, though. But see, there are a lot of other brands that are that are that are doing the vintage idea, Correct. you know, where where it comes out of a certain field and it and they and they give you the coordinates or whatever, and the flavor profile is going to change a little bit. But you expect that, and and this one. Um, th there was another gentleman uh, who who had a um, he he was bottling a ready to drink, uh, um, and was using this distillery. It was being canned in uh, in Mexico with this gnome, and he 
we did a tasting with him, myself and the gentleman that we did the um, that we did the original. My, one of my other tasters, I got like twelve tasters throughout the U.S. and one in the U.K. And the, my guy uh, uh, in Ohio, actually, we were sent these these beakers, you know, these vials, these long beakers, test tubes. Yeah. And they were from this distillery, and he sent us a five-year, a ten-year, and a fourteen-year, and we did the tasting each one you know because they were nondescript i don't know how he got the I, I guess he had asked for samples and he was nice enough to share those with us i gotta tell you that 14 year that i tasted from this distillery i'm shocked and and i don't know you know i, I don't know whether he bought that barrel or what they were planning on doing with it or whatever anyway i i, I thought of you guys so maybe maybe you guys actually just through osmosis <laughs> acquired all that juice because it was apparently had been sitting in that distillery for a while. Yeah, we bought. I mean, we have the twelve year coming soon, but here's the ten year if you can see it. Oh, that's beautiful. So uh, oh. one of the one of the things that we do in in uh, in Houston only for this part of it that has become really popular. When people place an order online, and that was kind of our trying to disrupt the um, antiquated liquor industry, as you know, there's four yes. layers, and it's just a it's yeah, a mess. The, the um, three-tier system needs to go away. That's it's it's, it's incredible, right? So, yeah. um, but if you place an order online, and whatever you actually want to engrave it, every bottle gets engraved, and they actually get delivered to you. So you're probably seeing. Um, on some of our Instagram posts, there's a Mercedes Sprinter that's actually wrapped. So that's a personal vehicle for us. It's our, it's our personal driver that goes and delivers it with, um, in, in some cases, a couple of good-looking girls or a couple of good-looking guys and whatever whatever may float their boat, right? So that, that's what I think. But yeah, didn't you, you guys have some, you had some um, a muscular gentleman who were, who were doing a campaign for you guys a while back, I think? The Veneno Man. You can actually... Yeah, uh, yeah. He's got his own <laughs> GIF now. So you can go to GIF and write Veneno, and you can use it as a sticker. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> did, uh, so, so, Mike, we did when we were launching this, we had 600 people that we invited to our party. We did a white party, um, which is something that me and my partner have done for many years. But now... We're kind of doing it after as the banana party. So we said, we need a character. So first of all, we need a theme. And then we need a character to actually match with it to get everybody excited that's going to come over. So the theme we came up with was um, we did a dance-off between liquors. <laughs> so and the way that it worked is we had an entire stage set up. We had a legit Las Vegas ring announcer that actually came. Oh, no. What he would, and we had professional dancers. They were costumes. So let's say that it was vodka versus um, tequila. So we basically had a, uh, a luchador mask dancer that came and did a dance-off against, uh, you know, Russian with the big Russian fur hat, and they were doing their Russian dance moves. And, oh, you know, we had the bourbon, and there was a cowgirl, essentially, with the tie tied up um, sh shirts and dancing to a cowboy song. And so it was a just big hit. And then in the end, to reveal it, we brought in the uh, infamous machete, Danny Trejo. Oh, no way. <laughs> so he came and we gave him a huge machete and uh, he macheted the initial bottle and that's how we opened it and served it out at our party. <laughs> 
So it was uh, it was mind blowing to a lot of people, and he was he was super kind. We enjoyed meeting him, and I, I've heard he's a wonderful man. He's, he's he does, unbelievable. He does a lot of charity work uh, in L.A. He's he got his own taco stand. He does. He actually wanted to carry this um, carry our tequila in his taco stand. He's like, this is perfect. He goes, I love the plume serpent. The uh, the logo it kind of fits with all of the tattoos that I have, and he goes, I just want to I just want to carry this over here. But we initially wanted to do it in Houston. Uh, very recently, we started going into other cities, El Paso, San Antonio, Dallas, and Austin. And then we just got approached by um, Old Town Tequila. In oh, finally. Yeah, Zach. Excellent. So He, he, um, he, wasn't, he wasn't carrying Veneno? He was not. So, and, now, and, now Zach, and, and now Zach says, well, your online prices are really low. I want you to match those prices. And I said... I don't do that. That has nothing to do with me. <laughs> you know, you know this, the three-tier yeah, system, you you get the same exact price from the distributor, whatever markup you do, but, you know, this is illegal. We can't touch it. So for now, where are you in SoCal? Or is it, is it a big I am, secret? Uh, I am uh, well, in the San Gabriel Valley, which is a suburb of Los Angeles. I'm about, in the okay, old so days, I was 40 minutes from LA, from Dodger Stadium. So uh, I just found out that, uh, I just found out that there's, Ironically, three small liquor stores that just picked it up in San Diego. I don't know why. Um, and then uh, and then Total Wine just called us and said they want to carry it in California. Oh, and then, and then uh, so so we'll see. That's kind of a, that's kind of the expansion look, if you will. That's what it's looking like right now. Um, you know what? You know what we want to become when we grow up is exactly what I told you. I mean, you know, the own Houston and then own Texas and then. Let's see where life takes us, and uh, and and let's hope that our pockets are deep enough to continue the expansion. Well, you know, first of all, I gotta say, I I love the juice. Okay, I you know the, the other the like I said, the lifestyle image and, and all that is it's fun. I get it. It's fun. It's look it's luxury, but it's luxury fun. It's fun luxury. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's not it's not just the yacht, and it's not just the the, the private jet. Uh, it's about having fun. I mean, this launch sounded wild. It was uh, wild. <laughs> I wish I'd have been invited. It would have been kind of fun to go there just to if watch. You, if, you knew you, if you knew you then, believe me, we would have invited you. <laughs> you know, I, and that's, I, I, thankfully, I've been in this business doing this, you know, the tastings and creating the content and educating the public. We've been doing this for over, this will be the beginning of our 23rd year doing it. That's we, incredible. We, we did it when, when all we had was audio, when all there was a, a old podcasting, and, and and there was less than twenty three tequilas in the market then. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> I, I have I have printed out and and I, you know, I used to print out the gnome list, and it was just about really thin, you know, and then it, they got bigger and bigger to the point where I couldn't print them out anymore because they started looking like phone books. Yeah, well, and, I mean, Mike, I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm I'm not even fifty yet, right? So when I was in college, you know this that um, it's not that long ago, right? No, like, no. Thirty years ago, all we all we had was uh, the yellow Jose Cuervo. Right. And it was only a shot culture, and then and then all of a sudden Patron came with a cool looking bottle, and oh my God, it's white! Like what's going on here? Nobody even realized it. And uh, and if you think about it, the I always I always tell uh, I always tell everybody like the the success that Patron had is so incredible. Because if you think about it, the bottle that they have is a bartender's nightmare. Yes. You can't put it in the well. It's so hard to grab it, and but they killed it. Yep. And and I think they, um, you know, they were the starters. 
of a of a big wave of tequila, and uh, and you'll you'll appreciate the story. I was sitting in um, Aspen a couple of years ago, and at a restaurant that I always frequent, and the um, the sommelier you're, came over to me. You're a big skier, aren't you? You're a big. I, skier. I, I, lo I love to ski. Yes. That's what I thought. Yeah. So he said, uh, he said, hey, um, Kiki, I, I need to talk to. I I need to ask you for a favor. The family behind you wants to take a picture with you, but he she's got a smirk on her face, and I go, why? She goes, they think you're Jean-Paul DeJorio. <laughs> I said, I said, well, slightly younger, when not quite as rich, but I also have a tequila. I did, did not have a ponytail. No ponytail. Oh, you no. look more like Jean-Paul DeJorio than I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do now, probably. So, so uh, I said, I'll keep my age and I'll keep my look, but I'll take his wallet and his tequila. <laughs> <laughs> So they, they, we told them the story and they took a picture with me anyway. They said, we just want to tag you. I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, uh, you know, that's, it's, 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 it's an incredibly growing passion in, um, and you, you probably have this da data more than we do, but I was amazed to find out that 52% of tequila drinkers are actually women. I was amazed to find out that it's the lowest calorie alcohol that you can actually get your hands out there. And I'm also still mesmerized, and hence the reason that we got the 7 and the 10 and the 12 is coming. There is an incredible movement towards a whiskey-like atmosphere where aged brands are actually uh, becoming important. And what we did with our 7-year tequila and now the 10-year, the 7-year tequila is actually kept in a Chardonnay barrel for 6 years and 10 months. No kidding. And then wow. we pulled it out. On the last 6 months, we rested in a Jack Daniels barrel. So... There is zero additives in any of the particular products that we do. We will absolutely keep it that way. Um, that's that's one thing that I have zero interest in, um, kind of being the Zima of tequilas. If you recall that drink back in the day, I remember Zima. <laughs> so um, we want to uh, uh, look. We we enjoy the drink, and that's the most important thing. Like that's uh, that's our go-to drink. I've been ordering tequila wherever I go for many many years, and. We want to keep it true to the actual culture. And what a lot of people don't realize, in my opinion, is um, I was having sushi last night and having this conversation with someone. If you go to any country and their cuisine, their particular drink is made to enjoy with their cuisine. I mean, there is, there, there is something so unique about it that all of the flavors actually kind of bring everything together. There's a reason that you enjoy sake with sushi, right? There's a re reason that... You do pisco sour with uh, the tiraditos that you may have in Peru. And same with tequila. All of the spices of the Mexican food, and depending on the regions that you're in and or the ceviche that you're having, in accordance with the Blanco Reposado or Extra Añejo that you're actually going to have, there's a great mixture of it. And what I see in the marketplace, this is what we try to do different. A lot of people are trying to Americanize the product and just trying to do something for the palate that may exist here. Whereas what we want to do is, I want to stay true to what tequila is and have the authentic product out there for the people that are actually going to appreciate it. You, you, you know, when it, I, I love the intention behind it, you know, because, and this is the reason that, that I have Open Bar, you know, that I invite brand owners and distributors and anybody in the business because, you know, we have a series of books uh, where people can read uh, profiles in Agave Spirits, and we're, we're compiling now into a big one called Who's Who in Agave Spirits, and where people 
we we ask the same five questions and everybody answers it differently. Everybody has a different experience of what it is to come into the market and why. And then, and then you know, at the end, we always ask the, we, we ask them the question, if, you, if somebody came to you and asked you for advice on, on starting your own brand, what would you tell them? And, and it's the stories are so fascinating, you know, because even people with pedigree, I, I know master distillers who have delicious juice and they say, you know, if you think you're going to make money in this business right away, you're not. Go do something else because you're not going to get rich. You know, I think that you talked about Patron. I think Patron is it's lightning in a bottle. It probably will never happen again. You have brands now that are followed, that are fronted by celebrities because they're easy to turn over. I mean, basically, I, I can't fault, you know, Ken Austin and The Rock and their board of directors. They it's just they're diversifying his portfolio because the real to me, the real asset isn't even the juice. It's the rocks followers. It's the fan base. Of course, that's what, that's what happened with Clooney. Uh, you know, I, I, I give people this this ex example. You know, when when Herradura sold the Brown Foreman, it sold for seven hundred and ninety million. They got the distillery. They got the storage. They got the barrels. They got a way for them to sell their own barrels to each other. You know, that was that's weird. Um, but they, the family got to keep the hacienda. The hacienda is old. It's like 700 years old, uh, thankfully. But Clooney comes out with a, with a tequila that's made it. Into, we know it's made it into a diffuser. Um, and he sells his brand with maybe two other partners that we know of, right? The, yeah. the, the three main guys. And you probably know him. I, I don't know them. Um, but anyway, he sells a bottle with a label for a billion dollars. It's unbelievable. And there's nothing there. You know what I mean? It's that you you what you bought was Randy and and George and their and and uh, I believe his name is Michael. And they you you got their fan base. That's who you got. That's where the asset is. But that's what that's what that's that's what the society is now, right? I mean, there's there's a reason that people are glued to their TV, just want to see what the Kardashians are doing overnight. And, you know, it's it's a uh, it makes no sense. But that unfortunately is we become a society that's so driven by social media. And then and that's why you're seeing our I never thought that I would actually be in a business and I'm actually having a meeting with a social media coordinator and asking him how many followers we have. It's, <laughs> it makes no sense to me, but it, it, it is the it is the road that everybody has to travel. It is a road that we have to do. And look, early on, we we, we toyed with the idea um, of raising the money at a much higher quadruple and also partnering up with a celebrity. Here's what happens with that. Um, first of all, you absolutely need to let go of some of the ideas that you have in your mind that includes authenticity and making sure that every single inch of that bottle is actually handmade. Now it's no longer a passion. Now it's a business transaction. So the juice doesn't matter. And that's something that mattered to us immensely because we initially got into this to have my own tequila that I enjoy drinking. So, you know, th those things. And, and when we looked at it, the other thing about it is you have a guy like The Rock. He puts out one tweet and two million people look at it. And out of those 2 million people, the 200,000 of them in 48 continental states actually want to go and buy that product that day, you got to make sure that it's available in every corner. Because if it's not, 
on that first wave, if it's not available, it's exciting. If the second time it's not available, it's gone. Yeah. You'll never bring that interest back again. So it's a really risky proposition. You need tons of money for it. And for a business that, you know, you may have stories like the Casa Dragones did a great job. The uh, Patron did a great job. I'm just talking from a financial transaction perspective. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, Clooney did a great job. Um, so all of those things, how repeatable are those scenarios? And do I really want to put that kind of money on something that I don't believe in or personally like as a product to see if it's actually going to turn into a business transaction? And for that, I have my day job. <laughs> so, <laughs> so basically, we're using our day job to sponsor our passion. Kiki, I love that 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 intention. I, I love to hear that because, you know, um, on the surface, you know, if you if you scroll through Veneno's uh, Instagram, you know, you've got the the like I said, the, the beautiful women, and you've got the events, and you got if I, if you scroll further and further back, you even get to the pictures of the the initial launch, the, that yep. white party, you know, and it pictures of you and your partners, and 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 it's it's all lovely, but. And that's why I, you know, I'm pretty open-minded. I drink, everybody solicits us, we solicit them, we drink all the Gava spirits, we try them all out. I don't judge, prejudge anything, even if it's got a celebrity on it, you know, let me, t show me the juice. Because for me and my background, you know, when we come from judging, we don't see the bottle. All we see is the glass and the juice. And that's all it's, that's all our judgment is, is predicated on is what's the juice so then we worry about the marketing and the image and then we can talk about all that and the bottle you know you you'll go if you find we used to call them insultants you'll go to an insultant and he'll say oh you gotta change the bottle it's too tall it won't sit on it it won't fit on the on the shelf right right uh bartenders yep. can't hold it they're gonna they're gonna get pissed off uh you know and yet customers are buying the pretty bottles you know um I, at least yours comes with a sweater, you know, with a hoodie. <laughs> Listen, Clooney's bottle is not that attractive, but he sold a ton of it. <laughs> you know what? It tells the story. And so when I tasted the juice and I saw the distillery, because I know I know that distillery. I've never been to it, but I I, I know brand owners who well, go to that distillery. Now. We're going to take you down there. It's a fun distillery. You know, I, I one of my, and I'm writing the book. I'm writing the book on what I call the Mozart method. One of the master distillers that uses that's that what method. we use, as you know. Yeah, yeah, right. Is, we uh, use the Mozart method. Leopoldo Solis, and I have met him personally. It, I spent an afternoon and an evening with him and and the, the folks at Don Pilar, who who come out of that distillery. Sure. Don Pilar is an agave grower. Yeah, and it's it's like having a day with Gandhi. He is he is you know he's a chemist he's a scientist but he he came across as this spiritual being. And I've been in love with his technique and 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 how it really does change the the profile. It adds to it, and and it's an intangible. And unless you've had enough tequilas out there from from other other areas, but then you get one made with that technique, you guys have something. I knew you had something, Mike. We can't. But you know, how many people know about the Mozart technique, right? I mean. Uh... I'm so, glad that you actually mentioned it. We put it out there. People just kind of stare at me like, what is that? <laughs> believe me, I, I am in this year. I will be I will be finishing up. I have all I have like 15 years of research 
um, that I've been compiling and I'm going to put it all together. And, and it's, it's where the, where I believe the magic happens. Some people believe it's in distillation. I believe it's in fermentation. I agree with you. And, and that's just my personal opinion, you know, cause I, I know master distillers who believe that distillation is the meaning of life. Very reputable distillers who I have known for years and have pedigree as well. And I believe that, you know, I believe that what, what matters is the intention. And the more that I talk with you, the more I let you talk, because, you know, <laughs> the more passion I see, the more you you have infused this, not only with the Mozart method, but you've infused it with with a um, with a laser-like intention. And that's what I appreciate. Everything else is just superfluous. Yeah, that, that I'm going to give credit to my brother-in-law, quite frankly, just because... You know, he's the one that's the boots on the ground, if you will. He goes back and forth and tries to master this thing. And my partner and I have kind of been approvers of the taste, if you will, because we're just kind of going off of our own taste buds. But we have, you're right, we have been methodical, just like I've been telling you about making sure that everything stays authentic and making sure that we're actually going through the processes and we're not putting any additives into it because it's really turned into a zoo out there um, with, the, with, the, with the products. I mean, you know, it's... There's I, also have of, I have part of that zoo on my living room floor right now. You're <laughs> surprised at all the stuff that we've had. And, you know, what can I tell you? Amazing tequilas in Mexico, as you know, that never even made it here. Um, yeah. That haven't yeah. come to the market. There's a there's a tequila that's one of my personal favorites. I don't know if you've ever tasted it in Mi Tierra. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, silhouette in the bottle. It, it, comes, it comes in a piña. Yes. yes. Yeah. We tasted right. it. They sent it to us. Uh, it's... It's beautiful, and they they have a really decent distillery too. I have had it. I've got the bottles here. As a matter of fact, they they never, they never made it to the U.S. and I think that it will blow away ninety percent of the products that's actually out there from a juice perspective. But again, you're going to get the people to actually taste it. And the other thing that's been happening with tequila industry, as you know it, first of all, the blanco. Personal opinion. You probably have research on this, but I would say. Maybe one percent of the consumers, probably less than that, are sipping drinkers of the Blanco, right? It's in margaritas and all sorts of mixed yeah, drinks. Primarily, I mean, you know, when you look at the numbers, anywhere from eighty percent to whoever, depending on who you're reading, eighty eighty-five percent of the tequila exported comes here into the U.S. And mm. they're all trying to, you know, they're they're all competing for shelf space. They're all trying to attract uh, the American palate, which which they know leans toward the sweet side. But here's what I believe, because we've been doing it. I, I, these are the trends that I see at Tequila Aficionado. I'm seeing more and more people becoming more and more educated. I, I'm sure you've, you've witnessed that, or maybe, you know, the people sure, that are sure. around, they're, they're, they're becoming, you know, first of all, that additive thing has, has awakened some people. Um, you know, but the, the, the CRT will never kill that. That that's 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 just it's allowed by the law. You have to understand that, folks. You, you know, so you know, do as much self-education as you possibly can. And when you do that, you run across more gems, you know, like Mi Tierra, right. like Veneno, you know, and, and that's where I think what happens is when when uh, uh, consumers become more educated, they find their favorites and then they stick to that. And what we would like them to do and what we do with our brands of promise every year is to encourage people to, you know, open up the palate, say yes to more because there's, you know, there's more to Bordeos and there's more, there's more to, uh, 
you know, Casadores, and there's more to Don Julio. There's more than that. There's more than Tequila Ocho and Tapatio, and and all those, you know, those 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 go-tos, okay? Because there's other gems out there, and you're you're missing it if you just stay with your, you know, have your go-to on the shelf, but don't be afraid to go, you know. Get a tequila like 30-30 or something. Not, I'm just throwing out names, you know. Or Mi Tierra, for, for God's sake. I fell in love with that. Fortaleza. Fortaleza. Yeah, but now people are, you know, we know. Now, now it's got a cult following, but. Right, he has a cult following. And I know Guillermo. And we were we were actually part of the, the first tasting of num lot number one in the Cava before it had lights. So it was dark, and we had bats, and it was cold. You know, we're outside of warmer. <laughs> And, and so we were we were literally tasting this blind and all they had was shot glasses. And even in a shot glass, we knew this was special. And it's and, and it has finally grown, like you said, it's got a, a cult. But this has been going on for him for over 10 years, you know, That's longer than that. Successful businesses. It yeah. actually people don't realize it, but you know, I was with uh Vern Harnish is a is a big guy in the business industry, and he always says the company is always into 20 years in the making. It just looks like an overnight success. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, thank you. We've had 20, this is beginning our 23rd year. I'm ready to, you know, really push it out there. Kick it in, kick it right now. <laughs> well, you know, I was going to pull it down. Oh, I forgot. You you guys have done our cover a couple of times, actually. Okay. Um, this January, January 2021, if you haven't seen that. I just it at the house. That is, uh, I actually ordered it and I don't have it because uh, I, I ordered those. I, I don't even get them for free. I have to order them from Amazon. And it's such a badass cover. I love it. It, it. looks great. That picture yeah, of the snake I, is incredible. It, it has a snake coiled up at the very top uh, of their um, of their tequila. It's coiled like this. It's so badass. And and you you had uh, one of our covers last year as well. Right. So, and that was the one I was going to pull down and I, I just completely lost my my train of thought but um anyway i would i'm just excited that you're here and you're sharing the story because more people need to hear that you know that that um you know when i appreciate the opportunity for the mic i mean this is uh this is how we get the this is how we get our passion out there well yeah and and you know unless they're following you on instagram you know and now you're you're busy i mean you're a busy guy we had to make this appointment to to, to meet up at your office and and you know virtually for give me an hour you know and so i think people need to see more of that because i had a, a gentleman who's actually a, a catador that i i know a certified catador i i know three of them personally and one of them said to me you know when he was recounting the history he said jose cuervo was a real guy he was a real person who was not afraid to put his name on on a bottle of his juice. Sousa, you know, not afraid, to, was a real guy. Uh, you can, oh. he was three generations. If you don't believe me, talk to Guillermo. He'll tell you what his tartabuelo, you know, used to do. And, and, and all that, they weren't, they weren't afraid to put their name on the bottle, to put their name on the juice. Um, and so it's rare now that you see, um, uh, spokespeople or people behind the brand really pushing it. And I know you're busy, you know, do you ever get a chance to just stop by a, a, a Total Wine and do a tasting with one of your tasters and just kind of just, just get a feel for the public? I do, do you ever, I do, do actually. Do you ever so, sneak in? It's like I'm when you blessed. Have, it's Mike, like when you I'm have blessed. I have a Total Wine across the street from my office, literally. 
I cannot miss it. So, um, so, so, I, so, what do you, what, what kind of, what have you noticed? What have you witnessed when you, when you just kind of make an appearance and you just kind of show up and nobody knows who so, you are? So this, so this is what I noticed. First of all, um, you know, from a, there, let me look at it from a two different perspectives, right? As a consumer, I kind of look at people's behavior, and as a business owner, I kind of look at how these people are actually talking about it. One thing that's for sure is I don't care what brand it is first for. The, the people that are actually doing the tasting, they will never, ever come anywhere close to the passion that you can actually exude yourself. It's not, it's not, it's not theirs, and they're there to make an hourly wage, and they're usually through several marketing companies, and none of them really work for the brand. Because what they're doing is they're talking about my tequila one day, and the next day they're selling Bacardi on a corner, right? Exactly. Uh, it exactly. is what it is. Um, so we've changed that slightly, at least in Houston. So our tasting crew, are our employees so oh, that makes that makes a that makes some difference because they really kind of own the idea and own the brand um we've, we've also and i'm going to get back to total wine but we've also done some cool things there's a couple of cool nightclubs in houston one of them is called clay the other one is called sakai we've actually branded section within those nightclubs like there's a yeah. veneno part yeah um, yeah yeah, that's all, that's all they have from top to bottom. And they got a plume serpent, big mirror in the back. And we've actually built a bar for them. And so that's actually gotten a good thing. So when I go to when I go to a place like Total Wine at any given time, there's usually depending on the size, this is a large city. So we have large Total Wines, right? There's yeah. five to seven different tastings going. And and I stop by every station, regardless of what spirit they're selling. And they're all trying to sell it, tell a story because that's what's become popular. Right. And it's always about, you know, ours is distilled seven times and ours is hemp vodka or ours is diffused with this and ours is diffused with that. What's ironic to me is the, uh, and I get it, right? Everybody's got a certain budget, but the price is a huge mover in spirits. And people, if they're going, if there's a special, if it's two for one or, oh, it's $29.99 today, you get a $10 coupon or whatever, all of those things are moving the brand. We've not gone any of those routes. We, we, have, we don't have a cheap brand. Um, we know that it's a premium brand, but we know that we put premium work in it. We know that we have to take everything handmade and we're not going to do coupons. We're not going to do two for ones. It is what it is and buy it for the actual juice. Because what I'm seeing is, and you know, it's kind of, I remember when I first came to this country many moons ago, I was 17 years old, coming from a European culture, you know, I'm 13 years old, I enjoy drinking wine in my, uh, with my parents, and yeah, yeah. here it's 21 years old. And what I realized, the freshmen and the sophomores and the juniors in college, is alcohol had only a single purpose, to get really wasted. So when people go for $29.99 or I want a two for one or I want a $10 coupon, again, that mentality just kind of stays. So there's only a you know, less percentage of people that are actually buying the product, whatever it may be, for the actual juice. Um, there's a good following for bourbon drinkers that actually do that. They go for small batch bourbons. There's right. a good following for scotch drinkers that are actually like, I'm really loyal to my scotch. Right. Vodka never made that turn, in my opinion. Vodka has always been whatever popular vodka is out there. I'm going to drink Belvedere or Tito's or Grey Goose. Like Tito's and Belvedere have, they're not even remotely close in taste. They're completely different vodkas. Um, tequila, 
I think we're probably another five to 10 years behind for the culture to get to that maturity level. So what I'm not seeing is what I want to tell you. What I'm not seeing is people actually making their pick based on the juice, but they're making a financial decision more often than not. Okay. And that's, um, I, I, I think it will change slowly. Um, there is, if I go on to, I don't, I don't do much social media. Um, I post on Instagram once in a while. I have a Facebook account that's just kind of been sitting there. But what I do on there is I actually look at these tequila chatters. They are like different tequila groups, Texas tequila group and so forth. So, and I look at those numbers, they're constantly growing. So the amount of people that are actually passionate about this journey, like, oh, there's a, you know, the Fortaleza winter blend that I have to get my hands on immediately. Has anybody seen this? Have you tasted this one? I just want to kind of do it. What are your tasting notes? Those are the people that I actually want to attract. This is not a, it's not a product for the masses. It's a, it's a product for the uh, select palate. Yeah, um, you know, because like I said, we grew up with the internet and with social media. Now, uh, our our managing partner Lisa Peach, you know, she she really she really exploded and expanded the reach for Tequila Aficionado because she came from a social media background, but a publishing background. And so during the pandemic is when we launched this thing, the, the magazine, because I thought, you know, during the last uh, when the bubble burst a while back publishing companies all folded, you know, Bon Appetit's gone and all these tried and true magazines and became that thin, you know, and it was hard to find sponsors. And um, so anyway, I, I, I said, are you sure you want to do this? Because there's only been one tequila magazine ever. And I used to get that. I, I have actually two copies uh, here, two of the same copies. And it only started in Mexico and it was a bilingual and it was a hard copy. You couldn't get it, you know, digitally. So in the digital age, we've made it available to everybody. Um, and, and you can buy it in hard copy because what I wanted is I wanted Instagram you can hold in your hand. Because you know once you, once you take those pictures and you know what it's like to, to take those pictures and pay for those. And then once, once you scroll past it, it's gone. It's history. Unless you put it in something. I'm gonna, yeah. I want to share something with you, Mike. This is how I read my paper still. <laughs> you know what? You, that's okay though, but that's all right. But, I, that's what I enjoy. I mean, I'm, I'm old school yeah. that way. And there's something about flipping this page as opposed to going, going like this. Yeah, so. you know, even your Kindle sometimes when you, when it'll, it'll have a noise, like it's like it's turning a page, you know, when you, when you kind yeah. of scroll through it like that. So, um, so I wanted to appeal to both ends of, of the spectrum because, you know, what we're seeing is that the younger generation the, you know, because every the liquor companies know this, and I, I've told this to people already, and I, I'm going to do an Instagram live with a gentleman who has been begging me to be on with him uh, on Monday night, actually. And and I said to him, you know, every 10 years, there's a new generation of drinkers, and liquor companies know that. And they want to know. They're taking, they're doing marketing studies, and they pay for this. They want to find out what, what appeals to this next up-and-coming generation. And when I start looking at what they consider influencers that word just just it's like it's like you know nails to a chalkboard yes um when i see the the newer crop coming up and how how much more they they care about what they're drinking and the juice and the additives and whatever else that the whatever the uh whatever the buzzword or the uh, uh, keyword, you know, to, to, however you want to look at it, buzzword or keyword. Um, 
whatever it is that strikes them, it's interesting to me to see where where they're headed. And and I think your timing with Veneno is maybe really good because I'm seeing this younger generation not afraid to spend money. They're they're getting stuff uh um you know with, with the pandemic everybody kind of turned around and pivoted and now they're buying stuff online and it turned out that every, everybody was drinking more expensive and and so it drove añejos to where you've heard you know the extra well, nails and añejos are a shortage and then somebody says well wait till reposado becomes rare again you know you can't get it and so you guys may be on the cusp of of good timing because on the cusp the, yeah the, you're, the you're if you were two years earlier and went into the pandemic with some level of establishment, online sales would have been great for us. Yeah, but oh, yeah. To yeah. launch and a month later, the entire country shuts down was like, whoa, <laughs> probably well, bad you know, timing. Well, even 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 if you look at The Rock, you know, everything was predicated with uh, you know, The Rock's marketing thing was all about, you know, he owned the Super Bowl that year and he was going to come out with his movies and stuff. And then in March, boom, everything stopped and the whole marketing thing had to had to pivot yeah and and he was fairly successful i would say but but this you know from what i see and i lurk like you i tell people i don't i don't like posting on social media anymore very very much a lot of our stuff is automatic now due to what lisa has put together for us but every once in a while i'll post i have a personal instagram too and i'll post stuff and i'm seeing that there are more younger generational drinkers who are giving it a darn about what goes into their body and they're not afraid to spend that for sure. They're, right. they're, they're using companies like, uh, I've never bought from these guys, sip tequila. Um, you know, where you can order a certain amount of craft tequilas and some brands are not even launching on the market. They're, they're, they're disrupting that market and going with a company like a sip tequila where you can only get it through them. Um, and I'm not sure that's a good thing or a bad thing because you know you're 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 appealing to that market that you and I were talking about. But like you said, maybe maybe there are people in Houston that can't get your stuff unless they get it from these guys, you know, or maybe you know, you know what I mean. And so we had, you a, we had an idea, Mike. You'll you'll appreciate this. We had an idea that, unfortunately, the three tier system, and in some cases, in, in my opinion, it's probably a four tier system, just because yeah, now. In Texas, in Texas, it's a system, right? Yeah. Um, it didn't allow us to do, but the idea that we had was when we looked at the millennials and the generation behind it, what we realized is that it's a completely different buying pattern. You and I grew up in a society where we wanted to own a home, right? Um, you know, we got into these 30 year mortgages, and there's so many different things that we did. And now we have a generation, they don't want to own anything but they want all of the experiences. They want the luxury, but they want a fraction of the payment. They just want all of their, they don't want a lot of money, they want enough money. They want to be able to travel. So all of these characteristics, as we took a look at it, what we wanted to create initially, which was basically we said, okay, you know what? We have a $70 product or $200 product, right? With our extra Añejo. You know, some 22-year-old, 25-year-old, or 28-year-old is probably not going to go and spend that. But what they can do is we commissioned a company. We came up with the app that there's seven of them sitting around the table. They can each put in $30, press a button, and it gets delivered to them. 
and they enjoyed at their party together. Oh, cool. So, so the so, idea came about. I'm sorry. No, no. So, so basically, this app allows people to drink with their friends. They correct. It allows them to share a bottle, which is correct. what tequila does anyway, right? I mean, exactly. So it's this is how we started our hour. You and your you and your neighbor were just sharing tequila, right? Exactly. So, but but I, I took it back even further because when I was in college, I would throw cake parties and charge people five dollars <laughs> at the door. I said it's the same exact concept, right? So why won't we do this? And then all of a sudden, I you know I get a call. They're like, you cannot do that. That's not how life works. And this is the four tier system. And there's you know TABC and there's ATF and there's this. And we started reading the rules and we're like, oh my gosh, who came up with this stuff? So. I called a buddy of mine. Prohibition. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Prohibition. Exactly. So I called a buddy of mine, um, whom before I got into this business, I actually met him, the largest distributor in the Northeast. They sold it for a couple of billion dollars now to actually Diageo. Um, and I said, I said, what's up with this? Like you, you know, you're supposed to be my coach. And he goes, he goes, well, Kiki, I told you um, how we got into this business initially. And I said, and the story was that. His grandfather was the, uh, during the prohibition, he was the carrier for the Italian mafia. Oh, yeah. And when they all went to prison, he ended up, and the prohibition was over, all of the heads of the mobs got busted. He ended up with all of these customers, and he became a liquor distributor that the grandson sold it for like $7 billion or some crazy number. Oh, my God. And he goes, he goes, I, he goes, I can't really complain about it because prohibition is what made me rich, you know, many, many moons later. But he goes, that's the way you can't do stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to respect the, yeah, you know, as you know, once it crosses the border officially, we don't even own the brand. Um, I can't touch the pricing of it. I can't really do anything. I'm at the mercy of the uh, distributor. So it's important to line yourself up with the right distributor that they're actually going out there and doing this. So because it was kind of the reason that we've kind of had this slow path our distributor agreement was basically almost like a clearinghouse. Um, so all of the growth that we've actually had literally has been our internal team, just putting it out there and putting the word out there and utilizing social media and our tastings and so forth. But look, we're, we're blessed. We've only been at this for a couple of years. It's been a learning curve. Uh, we're in uh, we're in specs. We're in total wine. Now we have interest from California. We're in absolutely the most select restaurants and bars and clubs in Houston. And that list is growing into El Paso and so forth. And, and, and look, if, uh, you know, I know it's a cliche wording, but um, the journey is what matters and the journey has been fantastic. So I, I applaud you guys. I do. This is, uh, you know, I, we've already gone a little bit over an hour and I don't want to take too much more of your time. I loved your story and I would love to pick this up maybe later on down the road or, or I, speak to I very much appreciate your other partners. This has been this has been eye-opening for me because, again, you, you know, you all we have was was this, you know, and and you and I have never spoken on the phone. We've never met, uh, even though I I was living in San Antonio for a while for like eight years. Um, yeah, I moved out here. That's right what I told you. I, I told you were in San Antonio. Okay. Well, no, I was until uh, I moved out. I moved out here uh, in 2020 in September 2020, right when LA became ground zero for COVID again. Right. Everything was shut down because I, I was good. You know, I we have a relationship with a with a, a really fine restaurant uh, whose family it's a family owned restaurant. They've been around for like 50 to 80 years. 
and um, and we we had done a couple of events with them, and they loved us. We brought our brands of promise, uh, and we had a, a VIP section uh, once a year uh, in October, and he would do a beautiful tasting where his distributors would be on the outside of their huge patio, and then we got that little section there of his uh, right on the right next to the restaurant, and it's been fun, and we wanted to do that again, and then you know. COVID, you saw what COVID did to everybody. So, well, if, if uh, I knew you, uh, if I knew you in uh, a few years ago when I was in San Antonio, I did a, I did a tequila tasting dinner for my customers in San Antonio, and uh, and the big surprise that I had for them is, uh, you know, this is right at the peak of Narcos when it first came out. Right. I came out and I said, you know, all of you guys know, know you, you guys watch the you know Netflix series Narcos. Everybody's like, yeah, and I said. Uh, said, I'd like to introduce you to a personal friend of mine um, that can share some personal stories with you. And I introduced him to Javier Pena, the real one, not the actor. Oh, 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 okay. <laughs> so wow. he's, a, he's, he's, a, he's a friend and he lives in San Antonio and everybody was blown away. And then they all took pictures. And as a gift, we gave everybody a bottle with that picture printed on it. So they loved it. And they took so, wow. Holy cow. Well, that would have. I would have just showed up and taken pictures. That's what I would have done. If you, if you come back to San Antonio, let me know, and we'll do a, we'll do a dinner. I, I, yeah, you know, I, I, I hopefully I plan on doing some traveling this year if we can keep, you know, this this thing contained, uh, you know. Um, I, to be seen. <laughs> it will, yeah, I know, to be seen, to, to be determined, you know. But, um, Mike, it, I have a question before we log off for sure, you. Sure. Since you said you know Herodura and their story really well, um, been watching the show Monarca? Yes. Okay, so do you believe that it's loosely based on the Heredero family? Um, let me let me preface that by telling you that uh, I actually spoke, I did a, an open bar interview with a, a four, fifth, fifth or sixth generation Romo, uh, who, who is, he's young, he's like 24, he and his brother are launching a brand of their own. Uh, his father was the one of the members of the family that sold Herradura to to Brown Foreman. Uh, that's when I asked him. I said, "You you didn't sell him the, the hacienda, did you?" He goes, "No, no, no, that's ours. We keep that. That we call it La Casa Grande." And I had a wonderful interview with him, and I talked. I touched a little bit about you know his history. I don't believe I don't believe it's that family. I think it's a combination of that one and the Cuervos. Interest, uh, but but Salma Hayek is the, was the producer. I'm not sure if they're going to come up with another season. I wish they would. I think they are, and I hope they do because I, I'm I'm a fan. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I love that. Um, and off camera, I'll tell you a little bit about the Salma Hayek section of the tequila thing. Uh, but Kiki, one one last thing. If somebody's looking at this and says, you know, what advice would you have for someone who's looking at this and going? I want my own tequila. I want, I want, I want. What would you tell them? I mean, look, I, I think uh, I, I, I felt like you you prefaced it already that you've asked a lot of people and a lot of people seem to say, do not get into this business, right? Um, and look, that's the advice that I got from a lot of people as well. It's uh, it's an absolutely tough business. It's, a, it's almost an impossible cash flow positive business, really. The... Uh, the light at the end of the tunnel is a potential exit. I mean, that's that's where you would make your money, and it depends on how much um, how much patience and how much cash you have in your pocket to go there. It's it's kind of like I'll I'll, um, 
I'll kind of give you this example because it's a popular subject these days. Everybody seems to be getting into crypto trading. Yeah. I tell everyone and people ask me and I have I have money in crypto as well. And people ask me, should I get into it? And they go two things. One, don't get into anything you don't know. And two, don't ever play with money that you can't afford to lose. So, um, you know, I like playing blackjack, too, but I don't take my savings there. I take a. Yeah. I take enough money with me that I'm okay with losing all of it because the entertainment value will be enough. So that's that's my thing about tequila. I mean, if if somebody's got the funds for it and they're unbelievably passionate about it, get into it. But also, including us, uh, from a financial perspective, I don't know if there is such a thing, but probably there is such a thing that it may be a little too late just because of the amount of convolution in the marketplace. There's just way too many brands out there. And right now... It's the right now product, you know, vodka was the right now product for a while. So I don't know how long the shelf space is going to be. But if they want to get into it like we did, you know, small batch available, you know, st stick to the norms and don't try to go nationwide right off the bat, then 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 yeah. Now, um, it will take about three years to prep. This is not a, you cannot launch a product in three months. Mm -hmm. And you have to cross it's, every single T. They're short. The shortest and one of my other interviews, I, I interviewed a, a a woman who owns her own brand, and she's a she, of course she's a lawyer, she's an attorney. That's that's the, she said it took her twenty months from from conception to getting it done and that's, getting it that's to pretty the, quick. That's the fastest I've ever heard, because like you said, the norm from two to five years. We had a we had a we, look. We had some bankers that we were on the phone with. They were basically talking to us about look. We have some people that may be interested in acquiring a brand and so forth. And 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 they said, what do you think about it? I said, look, there's there's three ways of getting into the tequila business. You either start from ground zero, and it will take you minimum of three years, in my opinion. Twenty months is unbelievable. Yeah. Three years for now, for sure. Even with that lady, just because of the logistical nightmares that are happening, and that's if you can get your hands on even the agave, right? and the juice and the supply. That's the first part of it. You go, that's option one. Option three is you go for some really established brand and you take it because you're a billionaire and it doesn't really matter to you. And option two is you kind of look like this mid-level, small, a little better than a startup, already launched the product, but doesn't necessarily have the market share. If you put some cash behind it, it can probably be a meaningful company. You look at brands like us and you get in. In my opinion, the middle one, the option three is probably the best, just because if you go with option two, the established company, then there's nowhere but to go anymore. If you go with option one, you're gonna dump a bunch of money and not really get that far. So, you know, and option four is don't get into it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, you're, you're exactly correct. That's, 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 you know, there you go. That advice from Kiki Dickman and, and, he is uh, again the brand owner and and, uh, and partner uh, with uh, several other folks of Veneno Tequila. Now, if you folks have seen this in, in Texas, if you're watching this, go find it. Uh, hopefully, you'll be able to uh, specs Total Wine uh, online. <laughs> online as well. And it's it's worth every penny. Okay, we said that in our reviews. I'll continue to say that. If you want to learn more about it, you can you can uh, find them uh, in our magazine as well. They they've been very nice to, to tequila aficionado. We love these guys. We we love the juice. There's great there's substance. And now now that I've met you, or at least we've met you virtually, 
I understand that there's the passion and the intention behind it. And there's a reason why people like me tell potential brand owners, don't get into it. We don't need another tequila. <laughs> because, because if you have enough passion, then you have a follow through. You're going to follow through. Correct. You're going to come hell or high water. And some people fizzle out. I, you are correct. It is a tough business. It eats its young. And I told that to people. I say it online all the time. It is not, you know, it's and, not easy. And it, it must have been really, like I say, a culture shock for you guys because you're coming from all different aspects of the of business. And then you're, you're all, you know, you're, then you get thrown into the lion's den and you're going, I got to learn a whole new industry. Uh, that, that's not only that you got to learn a whole industry. We're, we're from a B2B background, right? We deal with major corporations and now I got to deal with an individual consumer. And, uh, and since, since the likes of Yelp and Facebook and all of these little things came out and Google reviews and there's, you also have to battle fair or not um, critiques from people. It is yeah. what it is. So uh, when you do a B2B business, it's either you're either doing business or you're not, but nobody's actually taking an effort just because they're mad at something um, to essentially just go on to, you know, go and trash it or, and, or raise the bar for you. So anyway, it's been a, it's been a tough business, but again, it's a, it's a good journey. We enjoy it. We like the juice and we're going to come out with our 10 years already out there. And it's a really select batch. We're, uh, we're halfway through the entire stock of it and we launched it 22 days ago. So wow. uh, in 12 years going to follow. So uh, we're blessed. We appreciate the accolades. We appreciate the uh, couple of covers that we've had with you and thank you for your time. No, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. You folks have been watching and listening to a special edition of Open Bar with Kiki Dickman, who is part of the brainchild of this tequila, Veneno Tequila. Thank you so much, sir. Uh, I, 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 it was a wealth of, of information you shared with us, and I, I so appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, whatever you folks do, tomar sabiamente, sip wisely.